shalt bow, O great mountain. Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plague, and he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Shouts of Grace Center brings you pure and undiluted word of God from the impeccable throne of grace. Be blessed as you listen. And what is that thing that will make you give up on such song or daughter? Praise the Lord. Um, okay, well, how I've handled constantly every members. Um, first of all, we understand that nobody is perfect, including the pastor, the bishops, everybody. Number two, we also understand that the church is made up of imperfect people. It's just like when you open an hospital and um, you are now complaining that you have patients. When you open an hospital, uh, what do you expect? You expect people that need health in their body. So actually, uh, the church is not actually supposed to be made up of perfect people in, in quotes or saints. But it's supposed to be made up of ordinary people who come with their imperfections and then God steps into their lives. That's the first thing we need to note. The second thing is, it's, we don't give up on people because God did not give up on us. And we are also, uh, human in that sense, even though we are the servants of God. So it's not our place to give up on anybody. If God has not given up on any man, it's not our place to give up on anybody. So how do I handle somebody who keeps on, you know, being problematic or troublesome unnecessarily? We take it to God in prayer. Of God, there is a place of reprimand. There's a there's a place of chastening. The Bible says, "In whom He loveth, He chasteneth." So while the person may not understand being chastened, being disciplined, being suspended, being all of that, while that person may not understand, at the end of the day, it's actually tough love. Because he whom he loveth, he chastened. So there's a place of reprimand, but most importantly, is a place of prayer. Because every trouble, every issue you find within a local assembly is actually spiritually motivated. There are spirits trying to work behind those attitudes and those actions, trying to discourage the work and disparage uh, the people that God has sent. So it's, it's in our place to be sensitive to that and then take those things to God in the place of prayers so that God himself has a way of sorting those things out. Um, giving up on people, the Bible says, of all that God has given unto me, I've lost none except the son of perdition. So what would make me give up on anybody? Uh, the Bible makes it clear when it comes to the issue of discipline. Number one, if somebody makes uh, is living in habitual sin. Let me give you a typical example we all relate to. Let's assume there's somebody who is in church, has been in church for quite a while, two, three, four years, and that person is living in sexual sin, cohabiting specifically. So the first order of things is to call the person, as the scripture says, and then confront the person that this thing you are doing is not good. It's not something the church approves. The reason why that has to be done is because there's something called transference of spirit. And that which is not corrected will become, you know, general. It will spread because there's a spirit behind it a lot of the time. So after the confrontation, if the person continues to still do the same thing, 
then the Bible says such should be brought before the elders of the church or uh, the people that constitute the next leadership after the pastorate so that they can talk to them. And then the Bible says even after that and they still refuse to listen, then the issue has to be brought into the church, has to be announced generally. And I believe the reason why that has to be done is so that the generality of, of the people will not think that kind of lifestyle is approved. Because people come to church vulnerable and really, really naive. Praise God. So the reason that has to be done is so that the people will not think the church approves that. Now, when somebody who just gives his life to Jesus comes to church and then sees an elderly uh, person who's been in the church for a while doing something wrong, the devil will exploit that for that young person and tell the person, I am so so person can be doing this, then that means it's right. So at that stage, it is brought to the church to let them know the church disapproves of it. And then the Bible says, if the person still continues, then the person has to be excommunicated from church, depending on the weight of what is involved. So, uh, that particular advice was offered by Apostle Paul concerning a guy who was sleeping with his father's wife in the scriptures. Uh, so, Apostle Paul said, no, this kind of things is not approved. There has to be a measure of discipline that is applied to it. Praise God. All right. Thank you so much, sir. All right, the next question, let's go. Good morning, sir. Happy birthday to you. I would like to know what your personal check marks are from the reading from your call. This person would like to know what your personal check marks in terms of what you what you put in place. Alright, number one is um, the place of prayer. You notice when the women started fighting over food in the New Testament. The Bible says, let's appoint deacons to take care of these matters so that we will focus on the ministry of the Word and the Spirit. The primary assignment of a pastor is the ministry of the Word and the Spirit. Also, a ministry of prayer and the Word. Let me put it that way. So, in the place of prayer, when the prayer level starts going down, starts keeping prayers, then something is really, really wrong somewhere. The second thing is um, when there is difficulty in forgiving, forgiving people. Because when you're in ministry or you're a pastor, it's a place where you get hurt. People hurt you. People are even trying to help. Not deliberately, you know, coming out to hurt you. But based on what they know, what they don't know, in actions and actions. So a pastor has to have a large act has to be a quick forgiver. So when it's becoming difficult to forgive, then uh, one needs to uh, readjust and, and do something. Then the third has to do with thoughts, the kind of thoughts you allow. Uh, the kind of thoughts that we allow into our mind shows the state we are in. So if I catch myself having a wrong thought, then I know that something is amiss. 
so Zaba I start to pray fast, going to retreat, and make sure because you have to constantly ensure that you are at par and that your relationship with God is intact. Praise God. Hallelujah. I okay. I probably had to that after, but I have a question coming out from that. All right, next question. Let's go with there. These questions are looking like uh, school of ministry. To I thought you are going to ask very personal, you know. Okay. But it's okay. Let's go. All right. Okay. Let me ask my own question first. Okay. As the child saw something. All right, sir. From this question, would you say that um, this is the way burnout is a is a common thing that happens to men of God, and studies are found out that a lot of um, pastors over time they are struggling from burnout. Though they are putting up the show, but they actually, would you say that um, this same strategy or this same point are what you put in place to handle or deal with burnout? Yeah, when it comes to burnout, it's um, something that happens because um, you're probably not taking time to rest or you're not taking time to pray sufficiently. Because as a pastor, you are constantly on the move, full of activities, having meetings, upon meetings, having to deliberate on this and that. But all of those things must not impinge on your primary responsibility, which is fellowship with God. A pastor is first of all called unto God. If you look at the disciples, he called them unto him first. There has to be that fellowship, that relationship has to be there before uh, the pastor can become effective. If that is not there, the pastor will be ineffective. So, um, to avoid burnout, constant time of prayer and adequate rest. You know, it's almost difficult to rest as a pastor most of the time. Sometimes the messages you will preach for one hour, you are preparing for two or three days, rolling it in your mind and trying to find exactly what God wants you to say. So, it's a lot, a lot, a lot of work and energy that goes in into being a pastor. Aside that, Apostle Paul said the cares of all the people, the cares of all the churches, they are daily upon me. So a pastor shares in the burden of the people. Somebody comes and says, Pastor, I'm going through this. If that pastor is truly called and is compassionate, that burden is going to be in his heart. And it's going to be like his own burden, which he will have to take to God in prayer, joined with the prayer of that person for you know God to intervene. So adequate rest and Consistent fellowship with God will easily deal with burnout. Thank you very much, sir. I believe we yeah. are gleaning wisdom. All right. Okay, sir. Over the years in ministry, do you have things that you wish you didn't do? Or things you didn't say? Or what one can term as things I wish I knew before or while doing ministry? Yeah, a lot of that. A lot of that. Let me mention a few. Number one, um, I wish I knew that ministry is all about relationships. It's all about relationships. It's all about following people around you. It's all about honoring people around you. So, setting out of ministry, setting out in ministry, uh, the general thing we know is ministry is prepare a good revelation, go and preach, explode. If you, if you, if you greet people too much, say, you know, it will, uh, they will not respect the anointing. You know, all those kind of. But over the years, uh, the, the, the understanding I have is entirely different from that. Ministry is people. 
valuing people, honoring people, and helping people to bring out the best in them. You see, when you join a church, you are supposed to get better. Your life is supposed to get better. Uh, attending church is not a religious thing. Oh, because my name is Alexander or I'm Rebecca, so I have to go to church. No, that's not the purpose. The purpose is fellowship. And the pastor has a responsibility to communicate that. And sometimes the people are not cooperative, just like the children of Israel. They weird Moses, they stopped him, did everything, just kept the guy on edge most of the time. So the pastor has to step back and be able to accommodate all the all those exigencies, has to accommodate all the eccentricities that people bring on the table just because of who they are at that point in life. And the pastor has to be able to see into their future and not give up on them. The Bible says, do not despise the days of small beginnings. So when, when you deal with an average person, you're like, this one, this one cannot make it. But God doesn't see it like that. See, once you're a child of God, irrespective of where you are, or whatever you're going through, or what kind of mess you have gone through, God sees you, sees your, the gloriousness of your future, and the pastor has to also step into that capacity and be able to see the values in people and, and pray for grace to help, you know, to, uh, by the help of the Holy Spirit to help bring them into that reality. So, relationships, particularly, is very important. Number two, I wish I knew that everything I ever need is already provided for. Starting out the ministry, you know, just come out with this feeling like, oh, I don't have this, I don't have that, I don't have that. So sometimes you just settle with whatever you have and, and keep on living with it. Over the years, in, in the past few years, come to understand that everything we need in God is provided for. And that you have a responsibility to stretch out and believe God and take what you want. See, what you don't stretch out for, that's why the Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violence is by force. It's something you have to reach out for. You have to make up your mind, this is what I want, and then you go for that particular thing. Alright? Are you following me? Then, uh, number three, I wish I knew that um, um, God is cool enough to um, I'm looking for the right words. God is cool enough to uh, uh, let, me, let me put it this way. I wish I knew that God will not easily give up on anybody. Because in the early days of ministry, there are some people you will meet and you as a pastor will conclude, this one can't make it. Because of repeated mistakes over and over again. But God isn't like that. God will give you the first chance and the second and the third and the fourth and the fifth and the sixth and the seventh and the eighth and the ninth and the tenth and the eleventh and the twelfth. So in church, you see a lot of people that will do some things it will be so painful. The thing will pain you, but you forgive and move on again because that is what people are. Anywhere you find people, there will be offenses. There will be mistakes. And as a church, the church has to accommodate it. It is only when, let me tell you when I give up on people. When it gets to a stage that somebody's action is now coming against the work that God has given us. I'll give you a typical example. Like somebody, you know, going behind the church to meet people. Uh, let me give you a typical example of something you can relate to. Like a married man, for example trying to find a way to get the numbers of young people in church and then go behind to go and be calling them on phone one by one. I love you. I want to marry you. 
you know, luring them, confusing them, and some easily fall into it because of the level of their Christianity. That kind of stuff, I will make sure that person exits the church because that person is has become an enemy of God in the real sense of it. Because it has to do with souls and it has, it has to do with lives. So at that stage, I mean, there's nothing that can be done. You hand over the person to God. That's what Apostle Paul said. He said, he said, in fact, Apostle Paul said, hand over the person to the devil. Why do you want to go? He said, by adventure, if the devil deals with that person, that the person will be able to come to the place of repentance, that this thing that I'm, I'm not doing is not good. The reason a lot of folks in church do stops and there's no big repercussion in that sense is because you're in church. So there's corporate anointing that covers you. But that doesn't still mean that person continues, that person won't end up in hell. That's the, that's the sad part of it. But the church can become like a covering for your sin. So because you come regularly under that corporate anointing, you just kind of feel safe. But God does still not, God is still not approving of it. So we need to understand how this thing works. Uh, that you did something and there's no negative repercussion instantly does not mean God has approved it. It simply means God is giving you some grace, some, some, uh, some chance for you to come to the place of repentance. So such display of grace within the church should not, never be taken for granted. Praise God. Let me stop there. Otherwise, I'll continue to talk. Relationships, right. um, everything that we need, we have in God. And, um, he said, sir, Yes, God will never give up on anybody. I believe that um, we are giving wisdom from those answers that everybody's giving. All right, sir, do you have moments when you feel okay? These are actually ministry questions. Do you have Do you have moments when you feel dry spiritually? And what did you do to get back? Of, of course, we Elijah had. Elijah had such times. Even Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, let this call pass over me. He was negotiating with Jesus. I don't want to go to the cross again. It was a dry moment for him. And the Bible says, God sent his angels to strengthen him. So when you have dry moments, you need strength from God. So incidentally, what you feel like doing at such time is never to pray or read Bible or do anything spiritual or to go do some carnal things like watch film, do some things. But what you need at that moment is actually to go back into God's presence. The Bible says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run, they will not be weary, they will walk, they will not faint. So at such times, you actually need to pray fast to, for rejuvenation and new strength to come. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, if we have questions, I have questions that I still want to ask personal questions. But if we have questions, can you put the link for them? So Let's have the link up. To... Or if you want to ask, if you want to ask with microphone, we can, please do. We can pass the microphone. We have personal questions to ask the Reverend about his life. Personal questions to him. That's the link up. Big the ly slash shout to You can ask very kind of questions. So. Right, All these spiritual, spiritual questions you're asking. The question is not kind of. Okay. It's a personal question. Over time, where is your, or what is your favorite um, holiday destination, family destination? 
favorite. Yes. Outside the country. Outside the country. Of course, Dubai. That's was that's a cool place. Go go do safari drive. Do wow. some yeah, some yeah. carries with your wife there, so that's me. <gasps> All right, I like that. Okay, sir. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. I know personally you like um, SUVs. Yeah. Do you have, a, do you have a, any particular favorite? I don't have any favorite, as long as it can move. Praise God. The, the preference for SUVs because of our roads. You know, like this kind of music now, I've had to fix the bumper like three or four times. You know, because it's low. So, when you want to buy your first car, believe God for SUV. It's good like that. And there are some SUVs that are cheaper than cars. Let me just tell you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Consult uh, the auto, auto people that are experts in the house. They'll let you know. Alright. Yeah. Okay, this one is personal too. I observed over the years that um, you don't like wearing cologne. Okay. I just don't like it. But I use uh, spray. I use spray. But I just, I just don't like. There's no reason. I just don't like it. So when they give me, I give my wife. Don't Of course, we finish it. Now my <laughs> So I, I just don't like it. Yeah. Okay. Another personal question. You told us personally that you used to like Ololo um, and Dudu back then. You called it Ololo. <laughs> that was then. That was then. But I, I, I see now. Do you want to, do you want your favorite, favorite dish is plantain for now? Uh, favorite dish is still plantain and beans. So. Wow. <laughs> I can't eat it over and over again like I used to eat as a student. As a student, I put the money out to me, the money out to me, the money out to me. It won't do anymore. And I can't, but that's still what I love most. Okay. And I have fellow pastors who are in the same, <laughs> in the same mood. <laughs> This is good for you. I hope you know. It's protein. There's a question for me, please. And he wants to ask personally. Praise God. Yeah. Daddy, personally, I want to ask if you ever wish to have a daughter. Yes, I did, actually. I did, I did. I did. I really did. But. I need to be risky doing the fourth one because in a dream I saw that um, I saw like waving to you from behind the door I saw first boy second boy third boy fourth boy and then the girl was now far away waving doing hand like I said I said Number five or number six? No. No. If you don't know you were, or Juno, there. I just feel like that. I just feel like this. That's why most of the people around me is guess, guess, guess. They are competitive in band. All of them are guess. It's like Joshua, girl. Or Mr. Father, people, girl. And all of them, girl, girl. So it's cool like that. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right. Mr. Lightbrook. And at the end of the day, boys get they are the same now. There is no difference. Praise the Lord. Happy birthday, sir. Thank you. Now, sir, I'm trying to look at um, balancing of business and ministry. Okay. There is this general belief that uh, if somebody is called to full time ministry, 
Yeah, it doesn't really have anything to do with business. I mean, I've been that's not true. Um, the thing is this: when you are called to full-time ministry, and you are also in business, it is true that it is very possible that if you are not careful, the business will distract the ministry because the ministry requires a lot of focus and energy, concentration. Okay, but there are businesses you can do, like um, like this car wash that we have there beside us. I own that business. It's a small business, but it doesn't disturb ministry. I'm not washing the car. I'm not the manager. So as a pastor, you can set up businesses that you can just be there while somebody is in charge or supervises it. Do you understand what I mean? So. Those kind of businesses will, will all go well. And of course, there are a lot of businesses you can do online as well. Of course, you need to be extremely careful so that you don't get into Ponzi schemes and all of that. But there are a lot of things you can get involved here and there. I, I design websites and, um, so sometimes, People will call me. I don't even advertise or do anything. But people call me, please, can you do website for Can you pay? I can pay. Beautiful. So it's a long time. One month, two months to develop the website. It's something that can be done in three or four days. But I don't have the time. So you, you, you space it very well so that it's not going to disturb the ministry. A little here, a little there, a little before you complete it. So businesses can actually be done when you've been able to master your time. You are able to delegate. That's what I would say. Thank you, thank you for that, sir. Sister Moby, you raised up your hand. Okay. All right. Pastor Jimmy. Okay, we have a question. All right. Has there been a major challenge in your life that looks like will God truly come through? If yes, what is it? Oh, How yes. did you overcome? Oh yes, oh yes. One of the greatest challenge of my life. The thing is, challenges come every time. Alright? For example, there's a challenge I'm going through right now. I will share the testimony with you when I overcome it. Alright? But there's a challenge. One of the very major challenges I can remember was when I, I was pastoring the church not very far from here. God told me to leave and go to Lagos. So I left. It was, a thriving church of over 500 people were running four services. It was doing well. I mean, it was doing well. I've taught the people over time for about eight years nonstop. Uh, the people have matured. Uh, even though my salary then was, uh, I can't even remember, was it 25,000 or 30,000? But the people have been taught to take care of their pastors. So at the end of the month, people give what you call Venison or profit offering. People give. I mean, at the end of the month, my income is like 200, 250, 300,000. So everything was looking good. And then God said, move. So it wasn't something, you know, I really wanted to do. So I moved to Lagos. And I'm going to Lagos. I thought, what else am I going to do in Lagos other than start a church? There was no instruction from God to start a church. But I just felt, what else would I do? So I got to Lagos in September 1st of 2009. And by September 6th, I started a church somewhere in Yaba. Two people were with me. 
uh, you know, to start the church. And yeah, a few people came because, you know, I had followers online. So we had about 20, 25 people, sometimes 15, 20 people came to the church. And right from the time I started pastoring the church, I just had a feeling something was out of place. So I didn't know what was out of place. So eventually I went to pray and God said, he didn't ask me to start a church. So I had to wrap up that church uh, after two months or so. So I closed the church. Interestingly, the day I closed the church, I told the assistant pastor, those who are assisting to go there, and tell the people, well, I didn't go there to announce myself. Tell them they should find other churches. I'm not coming again. When they got there, nobody came that Sunday. So even God has left. Not a single soul came. So he was come. So I was wondering, they came last Sunday. What happened to them? Did anybody tell them? Nobody came. So I stopped pastoring and um, I was in Lagos for two years. And it's one of the driest moments of my life. Everything was just dry. Everything. Everything was dry. Finances was not flowing. I wasn't pastoring. I wasn't having any business. My wife was not working. So everything was just kind of dry. So a year after, my wife got a job. But I was still not pastoring. I was just attending the church. And, you know, when you are already pastoring the church, you're preaching four to five services every Sunday. So not preaching in one single service on a Sunday. You know, it's summer, something you've done for years. But I have to see that. And that was the time that God spoke to me that I should start Kisses and Ox uh, Club online, the website, which later, you know, was all over the place. So I, I guess the birthing of that aspect of my ministry was what necessitated what I had to go through. Because when I went through that dry moment, when I didn't know what to do, I started praying. I prayed every kind of prayer I need to pray in this world. After I finished speaking in tongues, and if there's no tongue to speak again, I took prayer lane of MFM to start praying the prayer in case there is one uh, household wickedness. You understand? I prayed. I fasted. And at the end of the day, God said, move back to Ibadan, came back to Ibadan, and then we started the church here. But that bracket of my life it's one of the major challenges I've ever faced in my lifetime. It was a point I was going to question God, did you actually call me? You know, even after all those experiences. So that's what I'm saying. But God took me through and uh, looking back, I knew, see, let me tell you something that I learned from that experience. If God is trying to birth something in your life and nothing is vital and you're not cooperating with God in the place of prayer and fasting, God will allow a crisis in your life. A crisis so deep enough, you'll be forced back into his presence in the place of prayer to generate enough strength to birth that ministry. That was what happened. It was a birthing of a ministry and there was no power. The Bible says they have come to the place of birth, but there's no strength to bring forth. So that was what happened. And I thank God I responded in the place of prayer and then... Uh, you know, light came at the end of the day. Praise God. And the result of all that challenge is this Shots of Grace Center that we yeah. are in today. So when we came back here, you know, miracles happen. Getting this land, getting this tent without paying a dime. The tent that is worth 19 million naira without paying one naira. 
all of those miracles happened from those times of intense prayer. Listen to me, people of God. The time when you are most anointed are the dry moments of your life because your prayer is coming from here. You see, the time when you have all the money and everything, you have uh, 50 million in your bank account, you are praying, yes, you are praying, but you are just praying. It's fine, thank you. But the time when you pray from your bed is the time when nothing is happening. When you feel like dying. When you feel so abandoned. When you feel everything is done and done for. That is when your prayer will be heard. Praise God. Yeah. And the passage then, you said, okay, all right. Okay, do you have an okay? Is it anything come forward for your questions straight away? I believe we are getting blessed. I said I believe we are getting blessed. Yeah, thank you. Please use this mic. So when you were talking, I had to uh, think about so many things. Um, you said that when a minister is about to bet, um, to be better, they need to be a crisis that you know will happen to draw you back, so you pray to bet it. All right, that's fine. So now I had to think um, really deep. How do you now combine? Because when the ministry is adopted, let's take uh, for instance, Bishop um, Ekpona, he's wealthy. How do you try to manage wealth and ministry? Because you have to manage wealth and ministry. Yes. yes. And ministry. Because you said that when you are dry, you know, when you are facing that wilderness, the prayers you pray are actually from within. So it means you are actually praying not from any source, but really, really deep down. But now you have money. And I now remember what some people used to say, that when you travel out of the country, most times you really don't, you know, uh, your standing level of 20 kind of drop because most of the things you pray for in Nigeria are being provided there by the government. So, uh, I'm not trying to um, look at it in this light that when you are now in ministry and you are wealthy, how do you manage it? How do you have to now have that communion with God that have nothing to do with actually you being comfortable because of the wealth, but it's now like just you and God? I don't know if you understand. Yeah, I do. So. Okay, first of all, um, in the moment when there's nothing and then you have to be drawn into the place of prayer, God is trying to beat that into your spirit so that it becomes a habit. It becomes a habit, it becomes a lifestyle. So you know that, hey, this prayer fellowship with God is how this thing came. So you have a feeling the source of a thing is the sustenance of it. If this prayer and fellowship that battered this prayer and fellowship that will sustain it. The second part of it is that, um, when the worst comes, you are still going to need God. Uh, that's why multi-millionaires still don't sleep. Alright? Because in the essence of it, there is no money you have that is enough. You still want more. And then after you have the money, then you start to fight not for the money not to go down. And so people like Dan Guti, they still don't sleep well. Eh? They are still thinking, planning, strategizing, opening more businesses, buying this, expanding this, expanding that, so that the money will keep flowing. Eh? Uh, look at Zuckerberg, for example. Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram went down for seven hours. He lost over seven billion. He can't afford to sleep. 
So they keep on thinking, they keep on thinking how we sh- how, how to make sure our cast don't get into it. Yeah, there's no rest for that. So in the event of that, even when in wealth, you still need God for the next level to sustain. That's why when Jabez prayed, he said, Oh, that thou mayest bless me, and that your hand will be with me in the midst of that wealth. Oh, because if you get wealth and then you're without God, it's that way that will kill you. The prosperity of fools will destroy them. That's what the Bible says. Praise God. All right, if there is, do you still have any other question? Anybody asking question before we draw the curtain to this question and answer session? All right, okay, if there is no further question, let's celebrate Nadi as um, he goes Thank back you. to his seat. Come on, celebrate our pastor as he goes back to his seat. This message is brought to you by Junamis and Sophia. Sophia Bola at Shouts of Grace Center at KC underscore global on Facebook at KC Global on YouTube at Tunanus Tunde on MixLR at KC Global visit our website www.kcsandhopes.com via our mail at kcpartners at gmail.com to partner with us kissesandhopes.com dot com slash partnership.